just listened to solo albums by one of my favorite Broadway personalities. And I am shocked at the terrible song selection (laughs) on the the albums. (laughs) Happens all the time. And the songs that are good uh, in terms of composition, the arrangements are bananas, like absolutely bananas. And in fairness, one of these albums is from the 90s and we were all just figuring it out in the 90s and like synthesizers were still something people thought was a good way to save money. Because what I want to ask you about is when you pick songs for an album like Mm -hmm. that, like what you did, obviously you produced Jessica Vosk's album, but you've worked on so many others. What is the process of winnowing it down to, you know, 14 to 18 tracks that, that work for an album? So there's no tried and true way. A lot of them are often based on like live shows that they have done and Mm -hmm. like, inhabited in some way in the 90s there was a spate of albums that were like uh x singer sings x songwriter or composer um liz calloway's frank lesser judy kuhn's um julie stein album rebecca luker did a cole porter one like there was he uh bruce kimmel produced like a whole bunch of them and i think that bruce and the music director and the singer uh would go and like find whatever songs they could because there was no Spotify or iTunes in that day. Yeah, true. Um, so they couldn't, the research wasn't the way it could be now where they would build playlists, you know, to mm-hmm. um, figure out what would be best. Um, and they would just winnow it down. Um, now, like Jess's album uh, is based on, we did three very different uh, solo shows together. Um, and it's chosen from those, uh, to, so, so like the set list is, I would say four fifths from all three of those shows and we know what works. And I like to structure albums, uh, sort of like three act plays. And so it like starts at one place and it goes to, to another place, but there's like, um, you know, the first four songs are a, a mini set, the second four songs are a mini set, the third, four or five, whatever. Uh, and they all tell like a story in that way. Okay. So you, you but you, you can't, it's not so much that necessarily the album has a theme, but that there is a, there's a flow to it as an album. Right. There are the, but if it's yeah, for a debut 100%. album, especially, I don't think you want to get too cute, you know, structurally. No, no. Yeah. And, so, and what's interesting is it also depends on the performer and they're like, uh, I, it's about me, but I don't want it to be about me because who am I? So what's the story that I can tell mm-hmm. uh, to make this happen? There's a lot of like um, weird sort of like uh, false humbleness about people making their debut albums. Uh, listen, you're, you're spending a lot of money, so you better make it good. Oh yeah, make it make it uh, songs that resonate with you and that you will re- uh, resonate with in the booth as you're mm-hmm. recording them. So, so to just choose sort of random willy nilly things, or um, and I always say there, there's like a weird thing about like Broadway performers love to sing and not theater material yeah uh, 
and nobody wants to hear your Joni Mitchell album uh, your first time out. <laughs> nobody wants to That's hear first the time original. Out, right, yeah. Right. They, nobody wants to hear all the original songs you wrote your first time out. Right. Because that's not, that's not what where your audience for. lives. Right. Yeah. That's not the contract you made with the audience. Um, it's a lot like doing cabaret. I told you, I've ever told you about seeing, um, I saw a, uh, a person in their debut cabaret and they opened with this acapella, come to my garden. And it was stunning. And we were like, oh, this is going to be a great evening. And then she sang three country Western songs in a row. And uh, by doing that, broke the contract that she had set up. Mm-hmm with the audience of this is me this is what the show is right and making albums is the same thing it's uh this is me this is what i do really well this is what like uh kelly o'hara's first album Mm -hmm. should have been her second album and her second album always which is like her bigger hit which Mm -hmm. is all musical theater uh should have been her first album uh the first album was like sort of, and I just re-listened to her a couple of days ago, uh, and I hadn't in a long time. It was like a dark, sort of moody, atmospheric album of sort of New Orleans-y jazz arrangements that Harry Connick Jr. did mm. of just song, of like singer-songwriter songs like James Taylor and stuff. And that's not what people signed up for when right. they jumped on the Kelly O'Hara train. Right. I just listened today, weirdly, to Laura Benanti uh, release a mm. single today mm-hmm. of uh, the, of is it Joe Jonas or what? Schmeppy Jonas, one of the Jonases sang a song called Sucker and she uh, recorded a cover of it that came out today. But she also now has like her solo album's been out for seven years or so right um and so and her her um spotlight has gotten bigger because of all the tv and whatever so now it makes sense for that to happen mm-hmm. but at the time of uh, if she was if this was her first album i would say why why, why are we doing why are we doing this, this? yeah but it's also yeah. the thing of picking pop songs or non-theater songs let's just say mm-hmm. that don't there are a lot of those songs that fit the the musical theater oeuvre. The big one I always sure. think of is um, on Mandy Patinkin's Experiment album, he does a cover of Harry uh, Chapin's Taxi, which is a eight-minute story oh, song <laughs> that he, mm-hmm. does a, he does a lot with. But to be honest, so did Harry Chapin when he recorded it the first time. Um, and so, it... And- yeah, so but so but it Nancy fits did the it, same thing. It fits that, and just like the songs that you and 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 Jessica picked for her first album with like the mm-hmm. Entertainer, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I mean, those are music theater, sent like offshoot songs that yeah. fit within the, story the wider songs. yeah story songs and or mm-hmm. or at least have that feel. I mean, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road has a great empty feel to it and its composition and then how it moves and things. So you know you get you're in the right wheelhouse. You're not just doing covers for the sake of doing covers of songs you like. Well, and to be fair, that song was chosen. uh, That song opened our, the Bean Green concerts as she had just left the Wicked tour Mm -hmm. and nobody knew if Broadway was going to happen. So goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Right. uh, Was how that was. was And she, she loves the song, The Entertainer. um, As do I. Musically, I think some of the lyrics that are in verses that we didn't use, uh, 
that's the reason we put those songs together mm-hmm. were because some of those lyrics are uh, questionable now. Yes. Oh, certainly. Yes. Yeah. And they also just didn't fit her or her experience. Yeah. That's, so a, that's why that was chosen. That's a song that's hard. If you are at all an attractive human being, I think that song doesn't work all the way through because part of the joke of that song to me is that it's performed by somebody who is lying to themselves (laughs) about how their life is and how their career is going. (laughs) Right. And that's part of the fun of it to me is that the bit is kind Mm -hmm. of like, this is not a superstar singing the song. This is a self-aware, not great looking necessarily human being singing the song and being like, I'm really good, but that ain't going to last. And that's, yes. So cutting some of those verses is, is, is a smart (laughs) idea. And I mean, it also helps that we had Mary Mitchell Campbell, one of the greatest uh, arrangers and music directors going to really skew that with us mm-hmm. in a way that it sounds uh timely but also timeless like that arrangement can work 10 years from now mm-hmm. where however music shifts because like a lot of those 90s albums uh those orchestrations uh a lot of them are very much rooted in the 90s oh, there's yeah. like a Paige o'hara and jerry herman one where page uh, like the opening of it is completely cribbed from uh, share my life I'll never ask for too much that Whitney Houston song uh, oh. uh, Run to You right oh, and then okay. it goes into the song in like a very sort of synth poppy way but but uh, a lot of synths weren't used in the in those records that they're just mixed to sound like they are and I don't know why hmm yeah. yeah, that ain't um, great. It's it's just odd. Um, yeah, I wish I could it's, remember. It, well, but it's it's, it's there's that, that commonality. I find that like of of artists when they do a solo album, especially early, not really realizing what their I hate to use the word brand, but it, it's it's sort of how they come off. They don't they're not self aware, mm-hmm. maybe like as they as they think they maybe are. Which is you know for actors, it's hard hard thing to know like how after all these parts you've played, who are you right. to your audience? Who am like, I? Yeah, 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 yeah. As the song goes. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> 24601. <laughs> That's who he am. Everybody um, who j- listens to this podcast the minute said, who am I? Oh, That's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. In tomorrow's episode, you'll get me, you get to hear me drop the phrase, um, gone about as far as it could go. And uh, it, it goes uncommented. <laughs> and I'm hoping that great. people get, get that great, like, aha. Um, yep. There are certain things you say in this, yeah, that just tick people. Um, but it is that it's that funny thing of like I, I think, and one of the reasons I think he's been so successful as a solo performer. It's one of the like Mandy Patinkin's first two albums are spot on who he is. They're dramatic, they're way over the top, but they're super traditional, and that's kind of who he is. He's just like oh yeah, a manic version of that performer you've known all along, who's bringing a lot more emotion maybe to it. But he's still singing. Al Jolson songs you know that's more right. his that's his that's his corner of the sky and so, so it, it's good and eventually everyone gets to the I mean this is uh, the the hope is that everyone if they don't if it's a miss on the first hopefully you're like Kelly O'Hara and you're going to get to do a second one because people are like let's yeah. let's let's get there you know this performance yeah. is worth it and good enough and some of those albums are my favorite albums you know I love the the Rogers Rogers and Gettle album um and uh, I'm actually looking yeah, just now since you brought up album. Bruce Kimmel 
um, has produced several of my like all time favorite music theater albums. I didn't realize because mm-hmm. I don't have the CDs. I didn't realize oh. it was all the same person. So like he did the whole Lost in Boston series. Yeah, and like, the unsung musicals. And, yeah, unsung and Sondheim unsung Sondheim was the yeah. first. I mean, yeah. those are seminal, and it's sort of and terribly out of print, unfortunately. Um, yeah, every single one of those albums has one song that you go, "What the?" Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them. The Lost in Boston one has several shows on it where I'm like, there was a, there was a musical, but like La Strada, it was a, yeah. What was it? Yeah. Oh, it's Uh so good, so great. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and worthless. And also, what I really appreciate about those albums is the care taken into production, where it's just like these are a bunch of cut songs, and it's not just like a piano arrangement. Even if that's possibly all that existed for some of them, there's a full arrangement of those songs and it really know feels that so good the, for the unsung musicals and the lost in boston the orchestrators tried to emulate whoever the orchestrator of the show yeah. was or would have been um uh it was usually larry blank and larry moore were the uh, often the orchestrators of those and a couple of others but uh and uh, larry moore now does a lot of like the encores reconstruction mm-hmm uh work with other people um and he worked with john mclinn a lot on like the showboat uh that three disc set um and they're beautiful uh but then there's always one arrangement on those solo albums that you go i okay (laughs) that was a choice it's a choice i which i do Ultimately want, I do want them to be choices. I don't want it mm-hmm. to be safe. I don't want it to be like, cause one that, one that popped up for me just the other day was, uh, I want to make sure I get the song right. Cause it's on that, um, the Judy Kuhn sings, um, sings Julie Stein album. And it is, is it the, you'll never get away from me. Is that what it is? This, the is monkeys? that the soul bossa Nova song? With, with um, the monkeys? Yeah, the monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't know was what to strong think. Strong and wrong. Big, big, yeah. But, but ultimately, I find it fun. Um, when it comes, I, I'm gonna say like when that comes up on the random, I'm, I'm hanging in for a minute. I'm not gonna listen to the whole thing, but I'm hanging in for a minute. You know, like, <laughs> oh, that's right. This is kind of weird, but like, click on. And yeah, there's something to be said about strong and wrong. I, I would rather strong and wrong than tepid and almost right. You know, it's that like, right. like, oh, that's nice. Run at that wall, like run really hard and fast, oh. and just slam but, into it. What's so great about those albums, though, is it like captures all those artists at the peak of vocal. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really nice. And like her time after time on that same album, Mm -hmm. it's Sublime. Oh, yeah. And there's a song called Hey Lift No Crying from Treasure Island that never got recorded uh, by Julie Stein. And it's a beautiful song. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah, yeah. Those things are great. Good for her. Good for you. <laughs> Guess what? Good for you. 